Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And I pray that this morning your word will cut deep into our hearts and our lives, exposing those things that need to be exposed. Do a work in us that can change us from the inside out today, I pray. Amen. Now take your Bible and hold it up and repeat after me. This is God's Word. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. It is the supreme source of truth for what we believe and how we live. Now open up your Bibles with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. And after you find 1 Peter chapter 2, hold your finger there and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Peter chapter 2 and then 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're in a three-part series that we are calling The Cure. Thousands of years ago, our world was infected by a deadly disease, a disease that infected everyone, and there is a 100% death rate from the disease. Everyone gets it, everyone dies. But the good news is there is a cure, and that cure brings life to everyone who takes it. Now, the disease that we're talking about is sin, and everyone is infected with sin. And the cure we're talking about is Jesus. When we have Jesus in our life, he not only gives us life here on this earth that is abundant, he gives us eternal life. But once we experience the cure in our life, We are part of the process of taking the cure throughout the entire world. Now, last week, we discovered the first part that we can play in taking the cure to the world, and that is that we serve in ministry. God has given each and every one of us gifts and abilities that we are to use for His glory. And when we use those gifts and abilities for His glory, it helps build His church, and build his kingdom. Last week, literally hundreds of you made a commitment to serve in ministry. And I am so thankful for that. And if you haven't already been contacted by someone about getting involved and serving, you will be contacted soon. So thank you. But today I want us to talk about the second part that we can play in taking the cure to the world, and that is sharing God's story and sharing our story with the world. I want you to listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He said, but you are the ones chosen by God to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. Now, did you get that? Don't miss it. It's extremely important. God chose you to do his work. God chose you to speak out for him. 
God chose you to tell other people the night and day difference that he is making in your life. Now, there are three things that are extremely important in that verse that you need to understand. The first one is this. God chose you. That tells us that God didn't save us and then allow us to sit as spectators in the stand watching the game. No, God chose us to be a part of his team. God chose us to be a part of the solution. The second thing we see here is that God not only chose us to work, God chose us to speak. St. Francis of Assisi is credited with a popular saying that many people quote. It goes like this, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. Now the problem with that is it's not true. You see, the Bible tells us that we are called to use words. We don't just share the gospel with how we live. We are called, we are compelled to share the gospel with our mouth, with our words. We are chosen to do that. And then the third thing that Peter makes very clear is this. When God's power comes to live in our life, he makes a night and day difference in our life. If we've met Jesus, we've been changed by Jesus. Jesus called it a new birth. He called it being born again, being born by his spirit. The apostle Paul called it being a new creation. He said old things are passed away, everything becomes new. Here's what I know. There's no way that the God who created everything, the Savior of the world, can come to live in you, which is what we're told happens at salvation, and your life not be changed. Did you hear me? If you're saved, you've been changed. God has chosen you to do his work, to speak out for him, and tell others the night and day difference He is making in your life. Now listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 when he was speaking to the church at Corinth. Beginning in verse 9, it says, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheap people, none of those will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once just like that, but now if your Bibles are open and you've got a pen or you've got a marker, would you underline that word? Would you circle that word? Would you mark it? But Some of you were just like that. You were doing all of these things, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. When you called on Jesus, when God's Spirit came to live in you, you were made holy. You were changed. You were transformed. You're no longer the person you used to be. Now, don't miss this. 
Paul gave this list of sins. And he said, those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I read that list. I'm going to be honest. I'm guilty of some of the things on that list. And there are other scriptures that list other sins. And I am guilty of some of those sins as well. And to be honest with you, I don't deserve heaven. But this passage isn't saying that if you've ever done these things, you can't go to heaven. It's saying that if you practice these things, if, if this is your lifestyle, if, if you are habitually caught up in these sins, you haven't been saved. You see, Jesus didn't come to save us from hell. Jesus came to save us from sin. Jesus came to set us free from the power of sin and death. And he came to set us free from our enemy who is holding us captive as slaves to sin. And when we come to know him, he changes us. And we no longer want to be adulterers and we no longer want to be sexually immoral. We no longer want to be greedy. We no longer want to be cheaters. We no longer want to be drunkards. We no longer want to be those things. Why? Because we've been washed. We've been cleansed. We've been changed. We've been transformed. God's Spirit has come to live in our life. And He's made us brand new. You see, what you need to understand today is this. The gospel will change you. The gospel will change you. And if you haven't been changed, then you may know about the gospel. You may be able to speak the gospel. But the gospel hasn't made a difference in your life. You haven't been saved. And if you have been saved then you have a desire to share the gospel with everyone else, with your friends, with your family. You want them to experience what you've experienced. Your neighbors, your co-workers, you want them to know the Jesus you know. Even your grumpy people that drive you crazy, you want them to know Jesus too because maybe Jesus will change them. I mean, you want everybody to know Jesus. And so this morning, what I want to do is give you two tools for sharing God's story and sharing your story. Now, when it comes to God's story, the gospel, there's a variety of ways that you can share. On, on your seat, you have a track. It's steps to peace with God. And, and the very first person I led to Jesus when I was just probably 12 years old, I used a track very similar to this at a Billy Graham film. And so these tracks are good. All you have to do is take it out and say, can I share this track with you? And, and you begin to read the track to them. Does that make sense? You go to the next page. Does that make sense? You go to the next page. Would you like to do this? And you can use a track like this. But what you need to understand is that the gospel, God's story is the entire Bible story. From beginning to end, the Bible is a story of redemption. That's what the Bible is all about. 
Now there's some great truths we can learn from reading the Bible about other things. You can learn how to have a really good marriage reading the Bible. You can learn how to manage your money effectively in a way that's pleasing to God by reading the Bible. You can learn how to be a good parent and most likely keep your kids out of jail by reading the Bible. But the primary purpose of the Bible is to show us God's redemptive plan for man. In John chapter 20 verse 31 it says this, but these things are written to you that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and by believing you might have life in his name. John said that his gospel and the entire Bible is written so that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, and by believing in him we might have life. In John chapter 5, Jesus told the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because you think in them you will find life, but they are that which testify of me. Jesus said, the scripture you're reading, trying to find life, if you only open your eyes and open your mind, you will see that they're telling you about me. And so understand the message of the Bible from cover to cover is the message of redemption, God's plan of salvation. So what I want to do is, is first of all, give you a tool that, that I've come up with. And, and maybe somewhere someone else has already done this. And if they have, that's great. I haven't seen it in print. But I want to share with you how I believe you can share the gospel from beginning to end and basically, you can, you can go into answering whatever questions people may have. Now, when you start with God, everything begins with God. The Bible says in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. That's where it all begins. It all begins with God. You see, everyone has a worldview, the way they look at the world. And here's what I know. Everybody is either looking at the world with God at the center, or they're looking at the world with man at the center and chaos at the center. Those are the two choices. Either we believe God is at the center and everything comes from God and everything finds its purpose in God, or we believe that we're a product of chance and life really doesn't matter. And to be honest with you, I don't think that makes sense. I think in the beginning God makes sense. Now, why do I think that? Well, if I go out into the parking lot and I see all of these cars, I will think that, that someone made that car. It didn't just come out of nowhere. If I see a, a piece of art on the wall, I don't think that, that that just happened by chance. I think that an artist painted that picture. If I pick up a book and begin to read that book, I don't think that that book just got there by random chance. I believe that an author and a publisher put that book together. And when I look at the universe and when I look at the earth and I look at everything in it, I believe that this couldn't have happened by chance. It's too beautiful. It's too designed. It's got a purpose. It's got a reason for being there. 
You see, everything begins with God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible tells us that God created everything that we see. He created a perfect earth. And the Bible says that after he created it, he looked and he said, it is very good. Everything God created was good. And then God created mankind, the crown of God's creation. We're told in Genesis 1 that God created us in his image, in his likeness. I don't know all that that means, but it certainly means that God looked at himself and he designed us. Now, why did he do that? Well, that takes us to the second truth. Everything begins with God. But God created us for relationship. You see, God created us unique from every other thing he created. He created us in his image, in his likeness, so that we could have a relationship with him. And the first man, the first woman, the first human beings, they had that. God placed them in this perfect paradise. And we are told that God walked with them and God talked with them. He had a relationship with them. That's why he created you. God created you for a relationship. But then something happened. That's the third thing. Sin entered the world and broke that relationship. God gave that first man and that first woman one command. And it really doesn't matter what that command was. God gave them one command. But they broke that command. You know why they broke it? They broke it because they wanted to be their own gods. They were told that if you break God's command, you will be like God. And I've discovered that's why all of us break God's commands today. We want to be our own God. We want to call our own shots. We want to do our own things. We want to decide what is right and wrong. We want to decide how to live our life. And so we break God's command just like the first man and the first woman did. When they broke God's command, the thing that they thought would cause them to be like God, it didn't. It opened their eyes to their shame. They hid from God. And the one thing they wanted, they lost. They lost fellowship with God. They brought death into themselves. And they brought death and sin to each and every one of us who come from them. The Bible says that from Adam all have sinned, and and we know that. The Bible says all have sinned, all come short of the glory of God. The Bible says none is righteous, and if you're honest, you'll acknowledge that. There's nothing good in you on your own. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Just like Adam and Eve sinned, and it brought death, our sin brings death to us today. Everything begins with God. God created us for relationship. Sin broke that relationship. But here's the good news. Jesus came to this earth to restore that relationship. Jesus didn't come to to set an example for us. Jesus didn't come to show us how to live. Jesus came to restore our broken relationship with God. In 1 Timothy, we're told Jesus came to save Sinners, And then the Apostle Paul said, of which I'm the greatest. I kind of disagree with Paul. I believe I'm the greatest. I believe I'm the worst of all sinners. But I kind of think that when we come to the reality that we've rebelled against 
a God who created us for relationship, we can't help but think we're the worst of all sinners. That's what Paul thought. Jesus came to save sinners. He came to this earth to die in our place. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God, so that the relationship could be restored. In spite of our sin, in spite of our rebellion, Jesus came to die in your place so that your relationship with God could be restored. But here's the deal. Jesus did the work. He did all the heavy lifting. But you've got to receive it. Just because Jesus came to this earth and he died in your place doesn't mean that the relationship's going to be restored. You've got to choose him. You've got to receive him. The Bible says in John 1, 12, but as many as received him, to those he gives the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Everyone who accepts Jesus, receives Jesus, makes a choice for Jesus, become children of God. The relationship is restored. How do we do that? Well, we admit we're sinners. I mean, until we admit we got a problem, we're never going to find the cure for the problem. We've got to admit we're sinners. We've got to admit we've disobeyed God. We've rebelled against God. We've got to believe that Jesus is our only hope. He's not one of many hopes. He's our only hope. He came to die in our place to make us right with God. We've got to believe that. And we've got to commit our life to him, surrender our life to him. And when we do that, he saves us. And he makes us brand new. Everything begins with God. God created us for relationship. Sin broke that relationship. Jesus came to this earth to restore the relationship. We have to receive Jesus. And when we do, we're saved. That's the gospel message from beginning to end. If you're a Christian, you need to learn how to share God's story. But if you're a Christian, you also need to learn how to interweave your story with God's story. You see, each and every one of us have a story to tell. Throughout the New Testament, we see the Apostle Paul sharing his story. We see that in Acts 22, Acts 26, we see it in Galatians, we see it in Philippians, we see it in 1 Timothy. Over and over again, Paul shared his story of how Jesus changed his life. And and even though the circumstances of how he shared his story changed, the pattern was always the same. He, He shared what his life was like before Jesus, how he came to know Jesus, And how Jesus was making a difference in his life. Everybody's story is the same in that regard. Our life before Jesus. We all have a life before Jesus. And I've heard people say before, well, I've always been a Christian. But that's not true. No one has always been a Christian. Each and every one of us were lost at one point in our life. And we came to faith in Jesus. We all have a B.C. before Christ and an A.C. after Christ. Everybody does. So what was your life like before Christ? Were you religious? Were you moral? Were you immoral? Were you a good person or were you a hell raiser? I mean, were you you overcome by fears? 
What was your attitude like? How, how did you live? What was your life like before you came to faith in Christ? For me, if, if going to church would get you to heaven, my ticket would have been stamped before I was ever born. I, I mean, my mom and my dad, they were in church not on just Sunday morning, Sunday night, but they were there on Wednesday night. My dad was a preacher. My mom played the piano. And so I was there before I was ever born. And after I was born, I was there. And I could quote the Bible stories. I could sing the songs. I knew it all. I had a knowledge of Jesus. I could probably tell you the gospel. I had a good home. I had a good family. But there was something missing in my life until one Sunday morning. Now, that's my life before Jesus. Now, how did I come to faith in Jesus? How do you come to faith in Jesus? Each of us come to faith at a certain place at a certain time, and there are events and circumstances surrounding that. It, it may be that a friend shared Jesus with you. It may have been in a church service. It may have been at a student event. It may have been watching something on television. I don't know. But every one of us have a moment in time when we come to faith in Jesus. For me, it was that Sunday morning. When I got up that Sunday morning and went to church, I didn't know it was going to be any different than any other Sunday morning. I was sitting near the back of our church on that Sunday morning, and I have no clue what my dad was preaching on. I can't tell you what scripture he was using, but what I can tell you is for the first time in my life, I realized I was a sinner. I'm not sure quite why I came to that realization that Sunday morning, but I was overwhelmed with my guilt before God. I knew apart from God saving me, I was going to go to hell. And I didn't want to go to hell. I didn't want to miss out on God's plan for my life. And after my dad quit preaching, he gave an invitation like we always did in our service. And you could come forward. And man, I got out of my seat. I didn't wait for anybody else. I came forward. Tears were gushing down my eyes. I just wanted to give my life to Jesus. I'm not sure what I prayed. I'm not sure the words that I uttered. But I know that I asked Jesus to forgive me. I know that I trusted Jesus to save me. And I know that I gave everything I knew about myself to everything I knew about God. I know that. And I know Jesus changed my life. How I came to know Jesus. Now what difference does Jesus make in your life? I mean, that's where the rubber hits the road. Is he making a difference? Is there a night and day difference, as Peter said? Were you like this, but now you've been washed, you've been cleansed, you've been holy, like Paul said. Is there a difference in your life? Well, there was in my life, even though I was nine years old. After I prayed, things changed. I wanted to read the Bible. I know that's weird, but I wanted to read the Bible. And my parents, they, they bought me the way. It's the, new, it's the living translation of the Bible. And, and I read that Bible through in a year because, man, I wanted to read the Bible. I wanted to. 
I wanted to pray. I prayed for my friends. I prayed for, for God to, to work. I prayed that God would forgive me when I messed up. I, and I prayed for the devil. I prayed for the devil to be saved. Now I know now that wasn't good theology. But, but I knew. I, hear me out. I knew if the devil gets saved, everything's going to be better. Amen? I knew that. And I mean, I really would. I prayed, Lord, just save the devil. Just open his eyes. Let him see. I wanted to tell people about Jesus. And I would tell my friends about Jesus. And I wanted to live a holy life. And I wish I could stand here and tell you that from that moment on, from nine years old until today, I've just faithfully walked with Jesus. But that would be a lie. There was a period of about two to three years in my life where I don't know why. I can blame it on peer pressure. I can blame it on a lot of things. But I just know I, I began to live like the world. And if you were looking at me from the outside, you wouldn't be able to tell there was any difference in my life than anybody that didn't know Jesus. Because I was living just like they lived. But in my heart, I've been changed. And I was miserable in my sin. And I can remember when, when I came back to Jesus and I just begged him to forgive me. And I said, dear Jesus, please accept me and love me. And, and it was like he said, I've never stopped loving you. And that verse in 2 Timothy came true to me. Where it says, even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. During those times when we turn our back on him, he doesn't turn his back on us if we're his children, if we know him. And I can tell you, since that day, I've been striving to live for him. My life hasn't been perfect. There's been heartache. But I can tell you that Jesus has never left me. He's never forsaken me. And even through the tragic death of, of our son, he walked with us every step of the way. He's changed my life. He's made a night and day difference for me. And all I can ask you, has he made that kind of difference in your life? Because that's what the Bible says he wants to do. He doesn't want you to pray a prayer and go back to your normal routine. He wants to change you from the inside out. He wants his spirit to take residence in your life. and Change your outlook. Change your attitude. Change your desires and your wants. I don't want to ask you, has he changed you? Not have you prayed a prayer. Not have you been baptized. Not have you gone through confirmation. Not do you know the words to say. Has he changed your life? Do you long to live for him? Can you say, that's what I was like, but I'm no longer like that because his spirit lives in me. 
if you can't say that he's made a night and day difference in your life, then I beg you today to let him swallow your pride, your fear, whatever it is that's that's keeping you from making that life-changing decision. Get rid of it and let him change your life. And if you're here and you know him, Make the commitment to tell others. I want you to bow your head. Close your eyes. With your head bowed, with your eyes closed, if you're here and Jesus has never changed your life, you you know, you know, you know whether your life has been changed or not because of Jesus your life hasn't been changed because of Jesus and you're ready for him to make a night and day difference in your life you're ready to invite him to be your savior and invite the Holy Spirit to fill your life then I invite you to pray this prayer to him right now dear God I humbly come to you today asking you to forgive me I know that I've been living life my way. I'm so sorry. I'm tired of rebelling. I'm tired of playing games. Jesus, I really do believe you came to this earth. I believe you lived a perfect life. I believe you died in my place on that cross. I believe you rose from the grave defeating sin and death for me. Today I'm trusting you to save me. Trusting you to change me. And make me brand new. Jesus, I'm giving my life to you. Surrendering everything. From this moment on, I want to follow you wherever you lead. Whatever it costs. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer.